0: Well it's uh I just want to uh bring a few thoughts really uh partly around Father's Day um and some things that I've been thinking and praying about in regards to to all of that um as as I've been getting older um and you know children uh, growing up and moving away from home uh, I've also been thinking backwards to my forebears those who have uh um, whose inheritance and heritage I, I stand in, um, you know, the blessing of, and uh, um, it, it makes me realise that actually uh, uh, I'm, I'm a I'm a um, I'm a migrant to New Zealand several generations ago, and uh, I've been thinking about all of all of what that means, um, and about. Fathers and 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 uh, children being close or not so close, and what all that means in terms of uh, God's love and care for us. And so, um, my my great great grandparents came to New Zealand both uh, on my father's side and my mother's side in the 1850s, and and um, settled in Canterbury. And uh, um, I I didn't really realise that until. Um, perhaps uh, sometime about last year and I started thinking about it a bit more. And, and so, uh, you know, I really am quite Cantabrian, I suppose, in lots of ways. Um, uh, but, um, uh, you know, we we move around, don't we? We we live in a very mobile world. Um, in fact, it's so mobile that uh, uh, the standard text uh, on on migration is called the age of migration. It's kind of the age that we're in now. And uh United Nations I think it is who, who monitor these things. They they reckon that three point four percent of the whole of the world's population at the moment is migrant. Uh that's one in thirty people. And and I you know, I I just sort of think around the room here. Um we're probably more than represented uh in, in that number. Uh and and you know, people people are shifting around and coming and going and um, you know, sometimes permanently, sometimes temporarily. Uh, I guess back in the 1850s if you leave England and come to new zealand that 's kind of permanent uh, you don't go, you don 't travel three months around the world for a holiday uh, in those days. you say goodbye to your family and and that 's it and you probably you don 't see them again uh, in Acts chapter seventeen there 's a, a passage that I want to read paul was uh, the story is about paul. Uh, He was in a city called Athens, and in the city, uh, he he didn't have, or he had the opportunity of speaking to a group of people, philosophers. Um, because they loved listening to new things, and and Paul was beginning to talk in the marketplace and 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 preach and so on, and these philosophers got hold of him and said, "Oh, we'd like to hear what you're talking about." And so he got a chance to preach the gospel uh, in in a place called the Areopagus, which is uh, where all the philosophers met and chatted. And so in Acts chapter 17 and verse 24, uh, this is how Paul begins to talk about uh, talk about God. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. He says that because Athens at that time was absolutely full of temples and shrines. And so it was said that you could you could meet a God more easily than a human being in Athens. That's how many shrines there were there. Um, he's not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth, he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, and as some of your own prophets have said, we are his offspring. So you've got a number of things going on in this this short little um, speech of Paul's, but in particular. Uh, there's the sense of, of, of people a, 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 and, and moving and being a, appointed lands and places to live in and times and seasons. And so, um, you know, migration and, and movement around the world has been something that's gone on right from the very beginning. I mean, you go back to when God created Adam and Eve and, and, and human beings in the first instance, and, and he says, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and it seems to me that right from the beginning the heart of god was for was for 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 his image and his and and his his ways and his way of his way of being to be expressed throughout the whole earth he planted a garden and put adam and eve in it but he says i i don't this, this is not the end of it for you um the sad part of the story is that they they disobeyed God and so got kicked out of the garden. But I think God's purpose was that that garden would grow and extend as, the, as the, uh, his creation filled the earth. And the whole earth, I think, was destined, destined in God's purposes to be like the garden of Eden. Uh, and and that, in, that indeed is what God is working towards in terms of redeeming all of creation. Uh, this earth, I think, will again, one day in God's purposes, be like that. That's, I think, what he's working towards. Paul gives us hints of that, perhaps in Romans chapter 8 and so on. So there's this, this idea of moving out from, from the place where, uh, where where we were so that the whole earth should be inhabited and, and the whole earth should reflect the glory of God. But there's another thing that kind of lays itself, um, or finds its, its uh, basis in this as well, and it says in verse 28, For in him we live... And move and have our being. And as some of their own poets, some of the Greek poets have said, this isn't actually scripture, but Paul grabs it and brings it into the Bible. He says, some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. So there's the sense of fatherhood. There's the sense that, that there's, there's a God who is father uh, of us all, that we are indeed all one family. Now, we know that in the church we are brought into the family of God in a particular and a special way through Christ, but the whole of the earth, the whole of all of the people in the earth are a family. We are his offspring. He is the one Lord. He is the one God of all the earth, and we are his offspring. That makes us related in that sense. We are uh, of one family. And that sense of god as our father is a deeply deeply satisfying truth and i i think it i think it's the revelation that jesus brought that perhaps is greater than any other revelation is the sense that god is our Father in the Old Testament we have the sense of God being our father I, I am I am a father to you I am a father of the orphan I'm the husband of the widow um, there's all these ways in which God has spoken of his father in psalm twenty seven in verse ten let me read this to you just as a as an example it says the psalmist David is saying though my mother and f- although my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me so like You know, even even if I lose my way in the world, even if my own parents um, disown me or forsake me, there is someone who is my father, someone who will take their place, someone who will pick me up, someone who will take me on. Uh, It says the Lord will receive me. And so, you know, even in the Old Testament, there's this, 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 this groundwork for understanding God as our father. But when Jesus comes, he teaches us to pray. And we prayed it this morning. He says, when you pray, pray our Father, who is in heaven. And the revelation of Jesus is the revelation of God as our Father. In Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 2, verses uh, chapter 1, 1 and 2, it says, In the past God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets many times in various ways, but in these last days he's spoken to us by a son and that's that's to say simply this that that the the final and the fullest revelation that God has for this world came through Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ revealed God as Father, and we his children, not just in a metaphorical sense, not just in a sort of uh God can stand in where parents may not you know no God is. Our father, not God is like a father. God is our father. And so Paul, when he prays for the church, he prays for it this way. I want to read from Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, sorry, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. He says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I kneel before the Father. So this sense in which Jesus has revealed fatherhood, in which Jesus has revealed the heart of the Father, the kindness, the goodness, the love, and the closeness of a father, Jesus spoke to God as his father in the most intimate and closest of ways. And Jesus says, my father is your father. My father is your father. When you pray, pray our father. And Paul, when he kneels, he says, I kneel before the father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Is this Whole idea, again, of us being one family. I I, I find that verse just a little bit tricky because um, what does it really mean? Every family derives its name from the father. But in the Greek, you've got two words that are very similar, father and family. Father is pater and family is patria. It comes from the same root. And so there's a play on words going on here that Paul is using. So there's a sense in which Fatherhood itself finds its source in God. Fatherhood's not biological. I mean, obviously, reproduction and DNA and all of that kind of thing, yes. But beyond that, fatherhood is a spiritual thing. Fatherhood is a grace. Fatherhood is a gift. Fatherhood finds its meaning and its truest expression in God who is Father. And Jesus has revealed that to us. The God who made the universe, the God who made the earth and everything that is in it is Father. And, and, and you wouldn't necessarily know that just by looking around. You wouldn't just necessarily pick that, that, that God who, who is creator is also God who is Father. That took revelation. That took Jesus coming and demonstrating and showing what Father is like. And not just father in a general sense, but father in a particular sense. Father in a personal sense. Father as my father. Father as your father. Father as our father. He is our father. We are his children together. Not just us, but the whole earth and the whole world. We find our identity. That's what I think what it means when it says it derives its name. We find our identity as children in the fatherhood of God. Jesus told this amazing story, probably, probably the most famous of all the stories that he did tell. It's in Luke chapter 15. I just want to read it and then make a couple of comments. I won't read it all. Probably I'll tell it more than anything. It's the story of the father who had two sons. And uh, the youngest son came to his father one day and said to him, I really would like my inheritance now, which is very rude, like very rude. (laughs) What's it saying, you know? Um, Would would, would you shuffle off the mortal coil, as uh, Shakespeare has it? Would you shuffle off the mortal coil so I can have my inheritance? Well, I can't wait that long. Give me my inheritance now. Well, the Father, for whatever reason, uh, whether in wisdom or grace or loving kindness, got together the son's share of the inheritance and gave it to him. And the son went away, it says, into a far land. And there he wasted all of that inheritance, all of that wealth, and all of that that was given to him. And as the money ran out, so did his friendship run out, so did his fortunes run out. In fact, a famine came on the land and he had nothing, he had no sustenance or nourishment or wherewithal, no resource. And eventually he found himself a job in a, uh, in a pig farm. In those days and in that place, that was, was, was not um, a, a job that was sought after. And no one gave him anything to eat. And he kind of was with the hunger gnawing away at his stomach, thought maybe what the pigs are eating would be okay after all. Perhaps not his first thought when he took the job on, but after a few maybe days or weeks, that thought began to get into his head and he, then he realized something. He said, goodness gracious, even the servants who work for my father are better off than me. Maybe I could go back to my father, back home, get a job, just like one of the servants. It would be far better than this. So he gets himself up, prepares a little speech. I've sinned against heaven and against you, and I'm not worthy to be called your son. He says, I'll try that as an opening line and see if I can then ask for a job. And when he's still a long way off from home, his father sees him. And he runs out. Again, something that a father probably wouldn't normally do. He runs out and he, he embraces this son. And he... He restores him in every way that you can possibly think of and in those days that were appropriate to the culture, a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and a robe and a feast that the whole village or town was invited to to celebrate his return. And in the story we have just this amazing, amazing sense of God who is a father like that. You see, the thing that that son had lost, although he thought he had the inheritance, the thing that the son had lost was a place to call home. And that's one of the things that I think are inherent in fatherhood. The father from whom all fatherhood in heaven and on earth derives its name. The thing that I think is identified in fatherhood is the place that we call home. And so there's a yearning and there's a longing within us. Even if we live close to with uh, you know, our own relatives. There's a, there's, a, there's a longing for that true home. There's that longing for that true fatherhood within us. Just like the son demonstrated. Oh, I'm, I, you know, I've, I've wasted the resource of my father. But I could return home. I could find that there is a place where I belong. And deep in our hearts, for all of us, there is the sense of I belong somewhere. And so th- I think the first thing out of the story is a call for us to learn to trust the fatherhood of God, to learn to trust the kindness and the goodness, and the guidance, and the provision of God who is our Father. There's a whole other thing in this story, and it's, uh, it's unfortunately encompassed in the life of the older brother, who, who, who probably wasn't very happy to see the son go, although his brother go in the first place, uh, but was even more unhappy to see him come back. Um, What could that older son have been? What could he have been? If he were like the father, what might that son have been? He would have been welcoming. He would have been encouraging. He would have been saying, I'm so glad you're back. You messed up pretty bad, but actually it's not too bad to see you back. But he didn't. He, he held off from that. I think the thing that I personally struggle with a lot, I've, I've not been a prodigal son, um, but I think I have struggled with being an elder brother. And maybe some of you might be able to relate to that. And I have to learn not to be an elder brother in that sense of that story, I have to learn to be a father. And I think that's what God's calling us to. And, and, you know, on a Father's Day like today, I think it's great just to think. And this is not just about men. But Paul says in Romans, receive one another, accept one another, welcome one another. And for us as a church, I, I you know, I think our welcome is, is, is an amazing welcome. Uh, we, we have, uh, you know, a lot of folks who are guests and um, a lot of folks who come. And uh, um, it's just, you know, wonderful to pray for. Uh, if you're a visitor or if you're a guest with us today, we've been praying for you. And we welcome you. And it's so good to have you with us. And we, we hope if, you're, if Christ Church is your home, then this can be your home and a place for you to belong. But I read something really interesting that as Christians in the world, we are as it were strangers and aliens. Peter says that You're, we're we're kind of this isn't our true home. This is not our final home. We are kind of strangers here. So you get this idea of strangers welcoming strangers. We're working on this journey, and God is calling us to His. To his place eventually, a little bit like Enoch, walk with God and then no more, cause God's taken us. I don't know how that's going to happen. But Jesus demonstrated this wonderfully on the after he was raised from the dead. And he, he was walking along this road, came alongside a couple of strangers. He was a stranger to them, he knew them, but to them he was a stranger. And it was getting towards night. He was talking to them about, you know, about uh, his life and his death and his resurrection, although he hadn't identified himself, and they didn't recognize him. And they invited him in for the supper, and so they were hosts to him, and he was the guest. They were welcoming the stranger. Then what happens? At that meal, Jesus takes the bread, and he breaks it, and he blesses it. So Jesus, the stranger who's been welcomed into this home, becomes the host. And he welcomes those own people into their own home and blesses them and and acts as host. Church, we are hosts. We are hosts. And we are God's hosts in this community. As as Pastor Garth said, I I, I want this community to know if we're not here. How is that possible? It's possible because we host the community that's around us. Through us, God is welcoming people to himself. And um, that's why... Pastor Garth asked me if I, if I wanted to say something about the uh, workshops that are coming up in the weekend. I, I just want to add my, my endorsement. Um, I, I don't think I can strongly enough say how helpful I think uh, it will be to um, get along to the workshops this Friday night and Saturday morning coming. Because in there, um, who knows that, you know, people from other countries, if you've come to New Zealand, why do they think the way they do? Why do Kiwis act the way Kiwis act? And, you know, we have to learn uh, how, to, how, to, um, how people understand. I see Evans, Evan's laughing. Very, very hard to understand us Kiwis from, from an Australian perspective. Um, that's so true. That's so true. And it goes both ways. Um, <laughs> so if, I mean if, if at all you can to just have some some idea of of the world views of of other nations uh, in the West, the way that we think is very very different in, in so many fundamental ways to the ways people from from eastern countries Asian countries think and um, as Pastor Garth mentioned we 've had uh, you know with the the events of of March and this year in our city um, the the fact of migration the fact of of the intermingling of peoples in our communities has been brought to the fore in a way perhaps that it hasn't been emphasised before and it is with us and it's and, and we need to know, we simply need to know how to welcome one another and I think that seminar, those, those workshops are really, really going to help us do that. Um, we've got an opportunity also at the end of this month we've got an international service coming up and uh, I love our international services because in a sense that's where... Our guests are acting as hosts for us, and we get to be, we get to just share uh, in a rich variety of culture. Paul talks about the, the, the cultures being brought together. One day, when we all gather around the throne of God, there's going to be people from every tribe, and every nation, and every tongue, and every language, and every people. And we're sharing that now. And, and what's going on in the world with, uh, with just this massive shift of, of people in a, in a huge way? God's, um, God is shaking the world up. It's not just happening. It's not just economic forces. It's not just uh, wars and repression and things like that. God is, God's hand is, is moving people around the world. And there's reasons for that, that he wants his people and his church to reflect the rich variety and the manifold grace. That is in him and in his people. Why don't uh, the worship team come? And uh, perhaps you just like to stand to your feet this morning and uh, just want to pray and lead us, perhaps in some response. And uh, uh, there's some folks that just you know really love to pray for this morning. So maybe maybe you are a long way from home where you call home this morning and and you just kind of haven't felt home here in New Zealand I'd love us to give you a big welcome but maybe just like in that story of the two sons maybe you feel that you're just a long way from your true home maybe you just know that you're distant from your heavenly father who loves you and in your heart there's just a cry just a longing For that embrace of the Father who will receive you and welcome you, accept you without any questions asked. If that's you this morning, if you just have that ache in your heart for the embrace of a Father, someone to welcome you home and to give you your identity. why don't you just, during the singing, just come on forward and we'd love to pray with you about that. If you're missing home, if you're here from overseas perhaps and you're just missing home, why don't you just come and stand before your Heavenly Father who loves you and let Him be the one who stands in that gap for you and just orientates your your mind and your heart towards the true home, Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're so kind. Thank you that you are so loving. Thank you that you've put us in one family. Thank you that through Jesus, we can be sons, daughters of the living God, the loving God, the Father God. And Lord, help us also, to be that, those hosts and that welcoming community for our society and for our city. And Lord we pray these things as we worship you.